Welcome to Community Pulse from Environmental Design Group, highlighting the transformations happening in our communities and celebrating the leaders making them happen. Tammy Naguki, her EDG co-host and their special guest, reveal insights that are driving our communities forward, right now on Community Pulse. Welcome to the EDG Community Pulse podcast. My name is Tammy Naguki with Environmental Design Group. I am joined today with Dwayne Grohl, also with Environmental Design Group, and Cheryl Stevens, Chief Executive Officer of the East Akron Neighborhood Development Corporation. Welcome, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl, for taking the time out of your busy, super busy schedule um, as you wear multiple hats. And so thank you for taking the time to join us. Cheryl Stevens is the Chief Executive Officer of the East Akron Neighborhood Development Corporation, also known as EANDC, where Ms. Stevens focuses on overall organizational development and management of EANDC's real estate development, home ownership center, energy services, property management and rentals, and community development activities. Ms. Stevens also serves as Cuyahoga County District 10 Council Member, where she is committed to upholding her campaign promises to the residents of District 10. She stands firm in working with municipal and county officials to drive community and economic development, protecting county services for veterans, senior citizens, children and families, sustainability, and being responsible with taxpayer dollars. Again, thank you, Ms. Stevens, for joining us today, and welcome to Community Pulse. We're very happy to have you as our guest today. Uh, just to get us kicked off here real quick, can you please tell our audience a little bit about who you are, what drives you, and how you got to your current position with both EANDC and your seat on Cuyahoga County Council? Well, some days I wish that was a simpler story, but it is a very engaged story. The um, cliff notes are that I am the child of a U.S. Air Force veteran. My dad uh, voluntarily joined the U.S. Air Force in 1955 and spent 21 years in the Air Force. Um, I had my I was on my mother's passport when I was 18 months old. My original memories are of Okinawa, Japan. Wow. I didn't know that television was broadcast in English until I was five plus years old. <laughs> I thought that you had to get the radio before you could watch television because U.S. Armed Forces um, in the early 60s broadcast in English and the Japanese television had American shows on. And so you turned the radio on to armed forces and listened to it in English um, and turned the sound down on the television. Yeah. (laughs) I wouldn't have known that. That's pretty cool. Uh, uh, And we spent time in the States and then time in Germany and Spain. So by the time I was, uh, 18, I had lived on three continents. Wow. Um, We moved a lot. Uh, My dad's average assignments uh, were two years. And um, so we saw America and the world courtesy of Uncle Sam. That's the positive spin. Uh, My mother was, um, my mother's no longer with us, but she was an incredibly positive woman. And she said that even though we were leaving friends, we had an opportunity to find new friends and see someplace else. And we always were to look at it as something new and an adventure. So we had about 21 adventures with my father. Wow. And my brother and I said when my dad retired at Wright Pet in Dayton, that we were never moving again. 
I, on the other hand, have stayed in Ohio, and my father, my brother is in Southern California with my father, who still would be moving if my mother hadn't passed away. And I literally gave him an ultimatum. He could move back to Ohio or he could stay in California, where he had been working for a couple of uh, multinational corporations doing aircraft stuff. Um, because after he technically retired at Wright Pat, he moved my mother to Athens, Greece, working for Lockheed. <laughs> this was after he decided to stop moving, right? He said, I'm <laughs> retiring. You kids don't have to worry about my brother was I was in college. It was my junior or senior year of college, and my brother was in high school. There's a little gap between us. And uh my brother calls me long distance one day. I'm at college, and he says, Dad's moving us again. I'm like, no. Yeah, you need to come home. I'm like, wait a couple weeks. It's the end of the school year. I've got exams. He goes, well, then you need to talk to Mama. Right. So, I mean, that's really what our life was. I'm an adult tumbleweed. I've been to all but seven states. I think this is the best country in the world. I think that's how I was raised. Uh, there was a brief point in time when I was mayor of Cleveland Heights, Ohio, and I ended every official meeting with God Bless America and God Bless Cleveland Heights. Mm -hmm. So um, I think I am one of the luckiest women because I do something I can get up and do every day um, without inspiration from anybody else. And on my bad days, I'm still glad I do what I do. As CEO of East Akron Neighborhood Development Corporation, we have over um, a thousand housing units that we either own or manage or are sponsoring um, nonprofit to help the for-profit developer get those the financing together for those units. We get to interact with architects, engineers, general contractors, attorneys, a wide range of people to do the work we do that helps sustain my relationship with folks like the team at EDG and uh, Dwayne, who, my buddy for years now. Uh, just like circle back to my friends every so often. Recently, I've been honored to be invited by the Federal Home Loan Bank to be an advisor to their board of folks in the Cincinnati Federal Home Loan Bank office to advise them on housing. There's an advisory committee of select people to talk mm -hmm. about housing issues with them. So my work is being recognized. And then I'm an elected official in Cuyahoga County. I'm on the county council and vice president of the county council. And my special mission is uh, as chair of the community development committee to focus on how we get lenders to be more positively proactive with small and minority owned businesses, because they really are the heart and soul of our communities. If someone grew up in an area, they're more committed to an area and most small businesses really love their towns. You know, the mayor of Akron, right? You knew the mayor before him, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. You interact with their business, the things that cities need to deliver, water, sewer, mm -hmm. engineering ideas, landscaping ideas. See, it, it's, it proves itself. Somebody who had spent a significant portion of their life in that region is literally personally committed to making it a better place to live. They want their kids to come back after they go off to college. Right. right. Yes. I know his son went off to college. We talk about that all the time. Sammy's, uh... <laughs> four children off to college. So the reality is we love for our kids to go off, learn something about someplace else, and bring the best things they learned home. 
Mm-hmm. That happens everywhere across the country. And because of what we went through as we de-industrialized in the 70s and early 80s, it's more important because places like San Francisco and Seattle uh, and Los Angeles, become Atlanta became sexier than Northeast Ohio. So we there's got to be this mantra, this belief that we inspire in our younger folks, whether they're were their parents or people who mentor them to come home and live a better quality of life than you can live in most of those other places. My folks settled uh, after my father moved three or four more times after I got out of college. <laughs> they settled um, in Monrovia, California, which is one of those border communities to Pasadena. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows where Pasadena is. We're about 15 minutes from the Rose Bowl. So mm-hmm. every time I'm out there hanging out with my dad, our, one of our exercise routes is to circle the Rose Bowl. Um, and, you know, it, it's like a mile and a half, get my exercise in. Mm-hmm. That's all sexy and stuff. So when I bought my home, um, I had gone to with with pictures in hand, look, see what I bought. Mm-hmm. And one of my mom's best friends came over and she's like, I thought you said Cheryl was in the nonprofit. The phrase was humble public servant that she uses. Right. My mom's like, yes, yeah, she is. Well, how did she afford that house? I guess she doesn't live in California. Right? <laughs> That's exactly what my mother said. She doesn't live in California. So her friend was like, that's a $750,000 house right. or more out here, depending on what's inside it. It wasn't even $200,000 in Cleveland Heights. That's amazing. We live good. Mm-hmm. And they don't make that much more money than we do mm-hmm. uh, on the Right. Either the East or West Coast or mm-hmm. in the high-profile cities like Miami or Atlanta or Dallas. Right. So the reality is, why not hone your skills, come back home, share them with your friends and family, and live well? Right. Well, that's a great advertisement for Ohio, Cheryl. <laughs> Thank you very much. So, they have a question in regards to leadership, specifically your leadership. Now, we've uh, known each other close to 20 years. Yep. We've been um, – we're – partners in business and helping each other and close friends. Was there a pivotal moment in your life? And you talked about, you know, multiple continents. And was there a pivotal moment that really generated this? You're you're one of the strongest leaders I know and the strongest um, people to, there is no obstacle I've never seen that I've never witnessed that you said, I just can't overcome this obstacle. So was it a series that you described or was there some pivotal moments in your life that drove that leadership desire? The survivor skill? Survivor skill, if you want to call it that. (laughs) Um, I think it came along as my father helped me find new places to live Mm -hmm, throughout mm -hmm. the service. You have to adapt and adjust Mm -hmm. if you're going to be at a new base Mm -hmm. every two to three years. Mm -hmm. I had no choice. Mm -hmm. I had, I didn't get to have the same teacher in the Mm -hmm. third grade that I had in the second grade. Some teachers were better than others. Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing that was consistent in my life was the love of my mother and father. Mm-hmm. My mother read to us every night before we went to bed and when I got when my brother came along I read to him we all I learned to read to him too um I am addicted to the written word but I think my resilience is really um based on the the family the close family support um I I don't think there was a pivotal moment that turned me into a leader other than the fact that I knew that um, there was going to come a day when we moved every 
year and a half to two years that I was going to have to get out of my mother's car and walk into a new skill school building, mm-hmm. learn how to learn in that building, use the skills that I brought with me to make my life better. Um, and when you know that from the time you're five or six years old, Um, There are moments full of anxiety in my adult life, Mm -hmm. pulling together a project in the middle of the pandemic that your team is helping me with. I don't know how Bob Warner is now on speed dial. (laughs) 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 And I don't think he uh, he I was not his pick as a new BFF, but he can't get rid of me now. Uh, And so uh, when I call, I'm like, hey, this is Cheryl Stevens. You might remember me. Yeah, I do. What's up? (laughs) You know, he gets a little deadpan thing going on. Oh, you know, that's not a problem for me. There would be other people who go, oh, I don't want to call him. You know, he doesn't really want to talk to me. No, that's not it. Bob just has a different style. Bob really does want to talk to you. We represent billable hours to him. <laughs> sure. Well, if nothing else. His passion uh, with uh, affordable housing matches your, oh, one of your absolutely. passions. Didn't so. know that till one of my team members Googled him, mm-hmm. that his he has volunteer time. Mm-hmm. He puts in for organizations that are smaller than mm-hmm. ours mm-hmm. Um, who need his guidance mm-hmm. and support. So it was great to learn that about him. Yeah. Um, and he's one of our few... Um, employees that lives in the city of Akron and has for his whole in, entire um, adult life. Lives wow. on the west side of Akron and is a true blood. So it gets back to your, just looping back to your point about, you know, the greatness of Ohio. He never left. He explored. He worked at another company and he came to Environmental Design Group, but he always stayed in Akron and he's true to Akron and um, it's so true to your um your commercial for for Ohio earlier, it's like, um, and I had aspirations of moving to, um, not many people know this, I had aspirations to move to California. I was in love with California, so I went back to school to get my engineering degree, non-traditionally, uh, from Akron U, and then I was going to move to California. But because I was non-traditional and graduated later, I got to experience more of Ohio as an adult and said, this is a pretty cool place. Well, actually, this is a really cool place. <laughs> oh. And so never left. Um, so you can always visit California on a plane for And a I weeks. do. Every year, multiple times. Absolutely. <laughs> it's beautiful, right? So where did your kids go to school? I know where his is. Oh, mine are all over uh, Ohio and Pennsylvania. So they stayed close. Okay. Hey, you know, they're, they're a car drive away. They're a car drive away, which is nice. Enough that they, they, they don't have to see me all the time, but enough that if they need me, I'm there. That's so, excellent. Give them those wings. So tell us more, Cheryl, about, uh, you gave us a little snippet of East Akron uh, Neighborhood Development Corporation, but mission of the organization and what you see in the coming years. Obviously, we're coming, we're still in a pandemic, but. Oh, yeah, pandemic doesn't hold us back. <laughs> it does we're not. an affordable housing organization. That's our primary mission, to make sure that people have housing, not just that it's affordable in the traditional sense, uh, that they can afford to live in it if they're um, 30 or 50 percent of area median income, but that especially for people who have skill sets and are early in their careers, that they get an opportunity to live in a house that is healthy for them. Uh, And for families who make more than the area median, that they can afford to live in someone in a a location that would help them save to own a home of their own. If you you heard me talk about being being proud to be an American, the American dream is really simple. 
um, shake your heads if you agree with me, that basically every American is entitled to a decent public education. And if you get a decent public education and have some skill sets, you can then get a decent job. And if you work hard at that decent job, you will be able to save and budget well. You'll be able to save money. And one day you will be able to afford a home of your own. The American dream. But wait, there's more. When you own a home of your own, you enrich yourself and your family. After you've owned that home at least three years, you've built up a little equity. You have a kid or two or three or four. One of the best ways parents can prepare their kids for a good future is to help them develop skills or educational and intellectual capacity. Sometimes you have to take a little of that equity out of the house and invest it in your child's tuition or um, something to help them get to school, maybe a car. That's what that equity in that home does. Or wait, you want to start a business and people don't think your credit score is high enough? You take the equity out of the house and invest it in that new business. Or you use the house as collateral for the loan that the bank is going to give you. But wait, there's something for somebody else besides you. If you get kitchen envy, bathroom envy, yard envy, you put more money into that house. And then your neighbor across the street, they want to, you know what? Their yard looked better than mine. I got to put a little more in my yard. Or did you go visit Cheryl? Did you see what she did with her downstairs bath? She said she got a friend of a friend's husband to put that in, and it only cost her like $3,500. Honey, we got to find her guy (laughs) so that we do the half bath. Oh, what, what happens if they pulled a permit, the city saw that they invested in the house. When they do the three-year or the six-year cyclical evaluations for tax purposes in Ohio, so that's all 88 counties here, they drove past to see the house look better. Oh, my God, the value increases. And if your value increases without doing a tax levy, there's more for the school systems. So we've helped out the schools, the city, the library, the junior college in the area. Look, buying a home took care of your family and your community. I rest my case. (laughs) I may never think of that again the same way. (laughs) Home ownership is so wonderful. So So it's one of the wonderful things we do at EA and DC. Every three years, I'll think about that, uh, that, assessment a little bit differently. <laughs> That's great. I Food for thought. Tell me a little bit about um, some of the work that you're doing um, within the EANDC and maybe some success stories that you can share. So um, we started out as a nonprofit doing rehab 39 years ago. Next year will be our 40th year in business. And after We had rehabbed a few houses. My predecessor, who was the founding president and CEO of EANDC, did some tax credits. And those tax credits were scattered site single-family houses, primarily in one uh, senior building. And this was in the late 80s, early 90s. So those those single-family houses have come out of the protections uh, and restrictions of the low-income housing tax credit program. Mm -hmm. And we've sold some of them to individual homeowners. Uh, Those homeowners received $1,000 for every year they lived in the house to help with their down payment. Uh, And we gave them financial advice and counseling. Mm -hmm. And 
98% of the people that we have sold homes to are still living in them. Wow, that's great. We also do housing counseling for folks who don't live in our homes. They can buy a house anywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, uh, I don't know the percentages that are still in the homes we help them buy, but that's all. It's a significant number in that every year we counsel um, at least 200 people in our high our high volume years. We've counseled as many as 450 uh, families uh, to into home ownership. So. You heard my scenario, you know, six minutes ago about the importance of owning a home. So if I have to talk about the success that I think is most important, number one is encouraging other people to buy homes of their own and invest in themselves and their families. Mm-hmm. That's our biggest success. Now, do I love the sexy projects like the one that Bob's helping me out with right now? Of course I do. <laughs> but that's our number one thing, and that's what we do well, and that's the thing I'm proudest of. So over the uh, over the last two years, I'm sure, as, well, I'm not sure, but I'm guessing as a leader, you've had a lot of stress on your plate uh, along with your team and getting through the pandemic. So how have you adapted to those so many disruptions that we've seen and coming from all different angles? So this year when we had to do our annual report as a nonprofit for the public, um, the person who was helping me write it said, give me a series of words that describe how you felt about the pandemic and its Mm -hmm. impact on your agency. The first two words out of my mouth she used to put on the cover of our um, annual report, unknown and unthinkable. The last 18 months to two years have been unknown to unthinkable. We did not know the impact that the COVID-19 virus would have on all of us. And we were not thinking about the things that we would have to do to sustain our organizations and make sure that our people were fully employed, did not have to be a statistic of this pandemic and this what amounted to an economic disaster for this country mm-hmm. or for the world for that matter. Um, it, I think I told you that my life is successful because of the things I learned while my dad was in the service. One of the commitments that people in the service make is that they don't leave their troops behind. You take care of your soldiers. The people who work for me at EANDC, they're my team. They're my troops. So I promised them that if they would be willing in late March to do a variation of their own jobs, but stick with me, not a single one of them would be laid off and nobody would have a reduction in pay because now I'm the best paid person in the building. But there was a time when I was not the best paid person in a building. Um, to use my father's life, I was a sergeant with one, I was not even a sergeant. I was an airman with one stripe. Mm-hmm. So having gone up through the ranks of housing, and community and economic development, I know what it's like to not make median income. And I know that your budget is fixed on that. And to take a 10 or 15% pay cut, that means that you might not be able to put the right kind of groceries on the table for your kids. You might have to go to the food bank. So I made a commitment in my first or second memo to staff about how to take care of themselves, that if they, if you worked in our property management 
team, if you might be need to answer the, the phone at the reception desk, or if you did energy sustainability activities, you might have, need to go out and make a maintenance call in a house. Yeah. Uh, if you were willing to work with me, I'd be willing to make sure that you never missed a paycheck, a full paycheck. And then I went to work raising additional money because in we did a calculation this year. The cost of COVID was almost half a million dollars to EA and DC. Wow. Because you've been to our offices. My mm-hmm. reception desk was just a desk that people walked up to. I had to buy a new desk with some plexiglass mm-hmm. so she could be separated from the general public. Mm-hmm. All my teams were group group activities. They all had, you know, a bunch of desks in an office. There was no separation. Those kinds of things. Oh, if somebody's going to work from home, they might need a laptop. We've got to buy all these pieces of technology-based equipment. Oh, if we actually need everybody with a tablet or a laptop, we might need to increase the capacity of our server. You know, we might need full-service IT technology support. I mean, all of these things, the billables that go with bringing in somebody to look at what your equipment is, getting higher grade equipment, uh, realizing that everything was moving slow, not fast. I mean, by the time it all added up, it was close to half a million dollars. Now, we did get PPP uh, twice. We did... um, we did get some money for from um, several of the foundations in town. We belong to NeighborWorks America, and they provided us with opportunities for additional funding. But I still had to pull from our reserves. Mm-hmm. And then I had to beg. Did I hit you up? Yeah, I think I hit you up. <laughs> so the standing joke with my executive team is that Cheryl has to go out and get her beg on. <laughs> Um, because it, I think we serve an important role in the community. Um, and we try to give back not just to the tenants and, and residents of our neighborhoods, but one of the commitments I made, I had met uh, Mayor Dan Horrigan uh, before I actually took had my first day of work here. Uh, somebody who had been a personal friend since my second job out of grad school uh, was a personal friend of Dan's, and uh, Mayor Dan asked him if he knew me, and he goes, oh, yeah, Cheryl and I have known each other for years. I had been to this guy's wedding. Um, that's how close we were, or are. And so I had lunch with the mayor maybe two weeks before I officially took this job, and my commitment to him was that I would try to use locally-based businesses wherever possible, and with the caveat that the locally based businesses couldn't rob EA and DC, that they had to have pricing that was reasonable and I could afford. Um, he said that was a reasonable caveat. And so I've, this was an, a no brainer. Dwayne's already my friend and he does price things reasonably. And even if he doesn't like what I'm asking, he will listen to me patiently and then tell me my, why my request might not be quite what he was thinking. <laughs> I don't think we've ever had one of those conversations, Cheryl. <laughs> oh, that was the other guy? <laughs> that was the other guy. Hey, you stopped using. <laughs> Cheryl, you've already hinted at your leadership style a little bit when you talked about, you know, how you set the tone for the for your team when COVID first hit. We have a lot of listeners that are eager to hear what leaders in our communities have to say. And so I'm just curious if you could maybe describe, 
you know, kind of your philosophy on leadership and what your role is with your team? So leaders lead by example. It's my base philosophy. Um, very few tasks are too small based on my skill set for me to do. Um, and I will jump to do something higher that might be outside of what people think we can do. So, for example, our highest profile project ever right now is a partnership where the social services provided for a 50-unit, 50-family apartment building being built on the west side of Akron. Social services will be provided through the guidance of the LeBron James Family Foundation. So when we applied for um, $10 million in low-income housing tax credits in February of 2020, when the Ohio Housing Finance Agency announced that LeBron James would be partnering, and we have an MOU because that name, uh, I promise, is protected. Um, So we had to get do something with them and able to in order to be able to use it. Uh, I had the the standing joke is I kidnapped the planning director of the city of Akron, had my um, planning director drive him around. I was in the back seat whispering in his ear, uh, telling him we needed to find a cheap or free parcel of land to build at least fifty to sixty units of housing in conjunction with the I promised concept of having. Um, affordable transitional housing, affordable housing, affordable coaching after school. It's the village concept, and he needed to help me do that. Well, little did I know that Mayor Dan had taught at St. V's, if not attended St. V's. Then this guy's father went to St. V's. I didn't know all of these things. I just, you know, knew that if LeBron was preaching this concept that you had to help the next generation, then my piece was very simple. I provide housing, and I need to figure out how to provide housing close enough for those babies who went to the I Promise school to walk to school. So the planning director helped us find um, a site that is approximately almost 1.6 miles from uh, I Promise school. It's 0.5 of a mile as the crow flies. Yeah. So uh, this has been a, a, a great relationship with us. I got my friend and his team to do the engineering for it. <laughs> um, he, this is Bob holding my hand for the last year and a half, me occasionally, you know, calling. If he doesn't answer, then calling Dwayne. And they both go, she's <laughs> calling us both. <laughs> uh, so the reality is that I have had the pleasure of bringing some people in on board um, who I knew could give me good guidance. That's the joy of having dealt with people over the years. Um, I I didn't have to guess whether I was going to get good advice. I knew I was going to get good advice when I made the call to EDG and said, this is your project, give me pricing for it so I can put it into my performa. Um, Leadership for for my team, they see me reach for the stars think you get to go home and tell your wife, my boss landed a deal with the LeBron James Family <laughs> Foundation. We are develop- we're in partnership with them. They're taking credit for our work. And so for Christmas, I give my staff a new book every year for Christmas. The first book was The Little Engine Could. What a mm-hmm. surprise, right? After listening to me for half an hour, you're surprised by my choices in children's reading, right? Not at all. <laughs> So everybody got a copy of The Little Engine That Could. Uh, The second year I worked for the agency, uh, the book was Aesop's Fables Mm -hmm. with uh, the the story about the tortoise and the hare Mm -hmm. tapped. Mm -hmm. 
You get that one too, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. The third year, it was the I Promise book for children. Mm -hmm. This year, I'm thinking I might step away. I priced what I want them to have, and I have to order it so it will be here by Christmas. I'm seeing a I'm seeing a theme here. You're kind of coming all the way back full circle to your father again, and I'm seeing that you probably picked up your leadership skills with him as on a mentor. base somewhere. <laughs> I'm catching that. So we talked a lot about your you know some of your current accomplishments, but looking back over your career, uh, Cheryl. What is maybe two or three of your proudest moments in leadership and and uh, what what brings them to the top of the list? So, um, you know, everybody has this dream once you get your professional credentials together that you're going to break into management. Right. Mm -hmm. You're you're going to be you might think you're a leader. You might be good on the soccer field, mm -hmm. good on the baseball team. But are, can you do it in a business setting? So I'd worked as an economic development officer for the city of Cleveland for almost five years, and there was an opening in Cleveland Heights for an economic development manager. And I applied for the job, and they selected me, and here's the real test. Can I lead? And I had not been on staff 24 hours when the city manager said, let's go for a ride. I'm going to bring your boss, the planning director, and you, the three of us will be in the car, and I will tell you what commercial districts I want you to focus on, and you can probably give us some ideas about what will be some priorities for you over the next couple of years. And I'll be able to share that with counts, city council about why uh, bringing you from Cleveland to Cleveland Heights is a good investment. So we ride around, we look at the commercial districts, and uh, we're on Coventry which is the most popular of the business districts in Cleveland Heights. It was historically, and it is today. So we're standing on Coventry, and he goes, what do you think? I said, you need to build a parking deck. He's like, I beg your pardon? You got out of the car. You haven't been my employee 48 hours yet, and you're telling me I need to invest in a parking deck? I'm like, yeah, by my estimations, you probably need at least 200 spaces. He's like, what? I said, well, there was a planning study recently that for every thousand feet of commercial retail space, you need this. And in addition, you have a number of apartments. I, I haven't kept track in my head, but I see the apartments along the two streets, Lancashire and Hampshire, and that are over the top of the commercial businesses on Coventry. So you need at least one parking space for each of those so that's why I'm telling you, quick study says 200, and you can't get that. Well, Cheryl, we have plenty of parking on the street. I said, in addition to what you have on the street, mm -hmm. because let me tell you something that happens. This is a date night kind of place. If you have to circle more than twice, you're not going to come back. Oh, I said, and so as they expand Beachwood Mall, as they do other kinds of development, Further out, if you don't figure out how to accommodate people in their vehicles, you will lose them. And once they're gone, they won't come back. Correct. So, of course, he didn't necessarily agree with me. So I had to convince, remember Walker Parking Consultants? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I had to convince one of their guys mm -hmm. who'd been doing some stuff mm -hmm. in Cleveland to come and give us a deep discount on a study. Mm -hmm. uh, then I had to talk to some buddies of mine who were members of American Planning Association because I'm not. Um, AICPA, and um, so probably it took me a year, 
And I finally got him, the city manager, to agree to ask council for the authority to do requests for proposals for the design and construction of a parking deck. And so there's a deck on Coventry now, and Coventry's vibrant and alive. They have some vacancies because of the pandemic, but that's the kind of long-range planning I'm incredibly proud of. It's the Mm. putting the two and two together, me going, and I still use that same skill. Okay, LeBron says, little kids who don't have a decent place to sleep, and I knew that, but he said it in such a a way that all of us heard it. Then there was that guy who was the president who took him on because of his um, speaking about education and other things, and one of the president's allies said that he needed to shut up and dribble. And so then, of course, we paid even more attention to this guy, and then I had my own mission. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) So... um, Those are the kinds of things I'm proud of, being able to use my thought processes to bring something that all of us are proud of Mm -hmm. being engaged and involved in. Because if you do your projects right, it's always a team effort. I can't design it by myself. I can't make sure that the plans are engineered, the pieces that need to be engineered correctly. Mm -hmm. I can't do the site survey. I can't lay the building out. I had the big ideas, but there are like 17 other people who have to get me to delivery. Mm -hmm. I just find the money for it. (laughs) You put on your beggar's hat. I like that. (laughs) I I saw on your website, um, you have what's called the Home Today seminars. Can you talk a little bit about that? So, you know, I don't do everything at that building anymore. I kind of just go in and wave at people once in a while. That is a concept, if I'm remembering it correctly, where our homeownership director is counseling people on what they need to do to own a home today, to maintain a home today, and for in the future. And so it's a series of skill sets that talk about everything from how much cash you need to be able to afford a certain level of housing, what you need to have available to yourself in order to run to Home Depot or Lowe's and get the plunger so you don't have to call a plumber, um, all kinds of things like that. So we're we have this boots on the ground, touch the individual homeowner approach with Home Today. How can our listeners find out more about that if they want to be? So they call, um, they go to EANDC's website, EANDC.org. They can see what you saw, or they can call our reception desk. And no, I don't remember the number off the top of my head. Uh, It'll be on our website. So they'll call and our receptionist will greet them and send them to, to speak to the staff person who's available that day. Awesome. That's awesome. Well, you've shared so much about leadership and your personal journey. We really appreciate that. So I'll wrap up today with a fun question. So uh, Tammy and I want to know what is on your bucket list for either the rest of this year or 2022? What's something on your... Oh, I need to do at least three projects uh, to keep two mayors happy because we uh, opened an office at the beginning of the pandemic in Canton. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the deputy mayor in Canton thinks that I'm supposed to work down there more. He's right. I do need to be in our Canton office a little bit more. Uh, But we are partnering with a group, Lemon and Dehoff, to build a 64-unit family development that will have garden suite units as well as townhouses in them. And um, it will be affordable. We'll be applying for a tax credit next Mm -hmm. year in 2022. 
it's going to be at least a $20 million project, mm. uh, which is $5 million up from uh, the I Promise housing that we're closing hopefully next week. But we started, they've given it, the, the finance team has been really gracious with us, and they're allowing Ozan to begin the pour this week. Bob was out on the site making sure the pens were in the right place. So what are you going to do personally if you'll share with us, like to get oh, away I, from all this? I'm going to Israel in oh, cool. um, April. Uh, I've been invited by the Jewish Federation to join them on a in a group, and I probably will end up going to either Spain or Italy on my way uh, to Israel, <laughs> and we'll spend 10 days in Israel. I've never been to the Holy Land. Um, I am a Christian, and so this is really exciting for me. It's a wonderful opportunity, kind of the, one of those once-in-a-lifetime things, because the Federation is helping make it affordable, and you're getting guidance. Oh, that so, is, sounds so amazing. Uh, yeah, it it, it really... I don't know about you, Tammy, but I'm jealous. <laughs> when I got the call, this is how busy I've been. I did not see the email. They emailed me. At, I have five emails. I got to... I got to get my life under control. <laughs> so they sent something to my county email, and I didn't pay attention. So then they sent something to my EANDC email, and I saw that it was from somebody I knew, and I thought I'd get back to it, and I forgot because it wasn't some – they run the food bank in Cuyahoga in five counties, and the food bank is in my district in Cuyahoga County. But I knew if she really needed something, she would have – called me. So I thought it was just one of those emails that says, you know, we'd like for you to be at this ribbon cutting or blah, blah, blah. You You don't need me. I'm not the highest profile elected official you deal with. But um, I see myself as a worker bee who's been incredibly lucky. And hard work does pay off. If there are young people who listen to this, or people who are a little mature, I can never say enough about hard work giving me new opportunities. Dwayne doesn't like me just because I'm engaging and funny sometimes. He likes the work I do. And the work I do makes the world we live in better. Mm -hmm. I'm incredibly proud of that. But never forget that hard work, sometimes it's its own reward. When I finished that parking deck on Coventry... I drove around it like this little kid. In fact, I drove through it so many times a police officer noticed me. And he said, ma'am, and I roll the window down. He goes, don't you work in planning? Well, why are you in a car that says the county, oh, I took a new job. <laughs> so the reality is you've got to love what you do. Get up every morning being willing to do it, no matter whether somebody's willing to lend you money at a bank, mm-hmm. somebody at the city's not happy with you, one of my residents thinks that we haven't treated them properly. Know that you've done the very best you can do that day. And if you made a mistake, you're willing to say, oops, my bad. Figure out how to correct it. Do it better and keep doing the thing you love. Because that is the best reward short of making the kind of money that Jeff Bezos makes at Amazon. <laughs> but you're making a bigger impact in uh, Ohio than Jeff Bezos is, perhaps. Wonderful so, words of wisdom thank for you. our audience. That's amazing, um, and thank you for sharing that with our audience, those uh, words of encouragement and guidance, those last words. Um, so as we close out, you had mentioned earlier how you closed out when you were mayor. So if you're inclined... I will. Um, would you close Thank us you out for there? listening today. 
God bless America, and God bless Akron, Ohio. Thank you very much. Thank you.